Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Christina. Hi, Chelsea. How's it going? Badly. Yeah, fair. How's it going for you? I was actually, it's, it's semi-funny because I was talking to my therapist the other day about, mm. uh, and she was asking me like how I had been doing the past week and whatnot. And I was like, weirdly, I think I'm less anxious. <laughs> <laughs> why, I, why is that? I don't know exactly, but I feel like the past week or so I have been less anxious than I was previously. Maybe it's because you're just like used to this now. Well, the thing is, my anxiety was never about the quarantine. It was always okay. about everything else. Yeah. And now I'm weirdly chill. Like, I'm weirdly good. And I don't know, my dude. All right. But yeah, uh, paradoxical calm, I suppose. Sometimes it's like you're so panicked, you're just calm. Yeah, the, the more the world burns, the more I'm like, this is fine. This is fine. Uh, I go through days where I'm like, everything's fine and everything sucks. Like, I go, I go through, like, waves. Yeah. As my father would say, it ebbs and flows. It ebbs and flows, yes. That's actually a good way to put it. But yeah, so some days I'm like, fine, and other days I'm like, oh god, everything sucks. Mostly it's the second one, but I'm trying really hard to, like, play a lot of Animal Crossing. (laughs) That is the, uh, the panacea for our time. Yeah. It is the one cure-all for everything that ails you is Animal Crossing. Bunny Day is today, which means no more eggs. At the time of this recording, Bunny Day is today, which means by the time you are listening to it, there will be no eggs. I mean, to be fair, that also means today is Easter, but (laughs) obviously not nearly as important. No, please. We're... If we've uh, taught our listeners anything is that this is an aggressively secular podcast. That's true. My little brother texted to the group chat, to the group family chat, happy zombie Jesus day. Happy zombie Jesus day. And I, my family loved it. Uh, I was in bed this morning because I it was comfortable and I refused to get out of bed. And Savannah peeked her head in and she said, happy Easter. And I said, happy Jesus rabbit egg day. <laughs> yeah. Happy fertility holiday. Happy pagan fertility don't, holiday. Don't don't have babies. Okay. No, just like in general. Thing, uh, there's this whole thing where people are pretty sure that the virus isn't going to affect um, people who are pregnant, like in a way, like in a different way. Not causing way, birth defects. But they don't know yet because there's not enough data. So. Right. They're just being like, hey, maybe don't get pregnant right now. The- so you think, here's the thing, Chelsea, what you, you're meant to say was don't get pregnant right now. What you said was don't have babies. <laughs> so I would just I like mean, you to view the difference between those two statements. Statement still stands. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Cults, Cryptids, and Life Advice, where we give you our completely 
unqualified advice on what you should be doing on during everything. the apocalypse. But speaking of the coronavirus, welcome to our now weekly segment of our podcast called The Bummersville Sometimes. Should I do the regular podcast opening first or should I or should you do this segment first? No, let's do this first and then we'll do the regular podcast opening. Okay, we're now doing the real intro for Doesn't the podcast. Really fucking matter. After, hey, listen, I like order. I, I like don't. a good solid structure. I don't care. I'm a what god, I'm so aware. <laughs> yes. I have a spot in my research today to break for the Patreon, just oh, so you know. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very you're pleased. welcome. Good work. So anyway, um, first things first, actually something I heard about this morning. Apparently, the 5G conspiracy has just fucking exploded. In the sense that it's it's reached more people or in the sense that it has gotten more elaborate? Possibly both, because now in the UK, people are setting fire to cell phone tower- towers. What the crap? Yeah. Because of the, they think coronavirus? Yep. Because of the conspiracy theory about 5G. That's the... Uh, I'm not going to say the height of human stupidity, but it's up no. there. It's at least don't, a very tall hill of human stupidity. Don't tempt human stupidity, because as we know for this year, because every time something happens this year, and we're like, it can't get any worse. Krakatoa fucking decides to explode. Okay, so. but Krakatoa, the current Krakatoa eruption is not that bad. No, but it's still like one of those things where it's like, sure. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah, might as might as well happen. It's not like the 1800 uh, explosion where 36,000 people died. Exactly. But as far as I know, no one died actually in this explosion. As far as I know. I guess I don't know. Anyway, so we're, we're going to revisit for this. We're going to revisit two of our favorite things to talk about. Uh, and by favorite, I mean we hate them both. One of them is QAnon because, of course, they're here. And they've decided to listen to every single thing that Orange Julius Caesar says. So first, so uh, a few things. There are a few different facets of, I guess, QAnon. One of them is just this virus is a conspiracy to make Trump look bad, because sure. Another one that we've talked about before is that it was created in a Chinese laboratory. Sure. I mean, no, because DNA speaking, like biologically speaking, it's impossible. Yeah, but like if they believed in science, we wouldn't be here. No, that's true. That's absolutely true. But now there's another one where they think that uh, this is the this is the sign for revelations. To happening. be fair, to, to be fair to them, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to the conspiracy people, I too believe this is a sign of the coming apocalypse. Like fair. So either they're downplaying it, they're blaming a Chinese laboratory, or it's uh, going to result in the second coming of Christ. So it's one of those three things. If you are a QAnon conspiracy believer. However, we have uh, thank you to BuzzFeed because BuzzFeed actually had this really great article that was literally all about how the Daily Mail sucks. Yeah, something <laughs> I've been saying for years. And different things that the Daily Mail is telling your parents that are all wrong. So number one, the Daily Mail is reporting that the coronavirus has 40 mutations and it doesn't look good. The claim is based on a Danish article about a study by a private Icelandic genetic genetics company and in partnership with the Icelandic health authorities and the Daily Mail's articles notes that the unpublished study has not been scrutinized by other scientists. So, so it's, it's nothing is what you're it's saying. It's nothing. Yes. So what you're nothing. saying is that the study is nothing. All of, all of these studies are going to be nothing. Spoiler alert. Another one. If you've got type A blood, things are looking pretty grim for you. The corona, the uh, conversation says this is based on a study that has not been peer reviewed and doesn't present robust scientific evidence. 
I've actually seen a few of my friends re, uh, circulating this that have type A blood. You're you're not in any more danger than everyone else. Or at least if you are, we don't have any proof of that yet. Yeah. This one is actually not just the Daily Mail. This is I've seen this in a lot of places that the vaccine is pretty much ready to go. No, no, they are. They're doing trials of a vaccine. But again, it takes at least a year after human trials start for it to just go into production. And then we still have to make like seven billion doses. We also have to like wait a little bit to see if there's adverse side effects to it. Well, that's the that's the year that yeah. we're waiting. It's yeah. like, hey, we got to make sure that these people who we gave it to stay good. Yeah. So there's one that started in Seattle. The one that the Daily Mail specifically was talking about is uh, from the University of Queensland that they have a candidate vaccine that they think will work, but they actually won't even start human trials until mid-year. So they haven't even started human trials yet. The one in Seattle has. Uh, and then, of course, there's another one. But this one is, again, months away from human trials. There's they're saying that we've got a cure from an anti-parasitic drug available throughout the world has been found to kill coronavirus within 48 hours. No. Yes, scientists have found a drug that used to treat head lice can stop the virus growing in a cell, but they still have to do clinical trials and work out safe human dosage. So in a lab setting, it can kill the the virus growing in a cell. Right. That's, but that doesn't it doesn't have anything to do with how it reacts in humans yeah who knows what it's gonna do in the human body and in case yeah. anybody uh hasn't really thought about it your body and a laboratory are very different they're very different places there is a lot less uh clean rigor inside the human body yeah there's fewer petri dishes uh i've seen no beakers inside the human body at all no i mean and i haven't really looked very closely but i'm like pretty sure and the human body rarely keeps a consistent temperature <laughs> That's also true, yeah. There's also this potential Ebola drug cure. Uh, no, the antiviral drug uh, remdesivir is not proven to work. Early trials are underway, but the evidence has not been published. So, like, basically the Daily Mail was saying, here's another cure, but it's just that they're trying it mm -hmm. and they don't actually have any studies to publish yet. Mm. So we also need to worry about the deadly hantavirus, which comes from rats. The hantavirus has nothing to do with the current coronavirus pandemic and cannot generally be spread human to human and has been around for decades. Is it the hantavirus? Hanta yeah, you're right. Sorry. Hantavirus. Yeah. So this one, I I'm not sure how to feel about this one because Trump did shake the hand. So they're saying that Trump should have self-quarantined after shaking the hand of the Brazilian president who tested positive for COVID-19. I'm going to say this is a little fuzzy because Bolsonaro has denied receiving a positive test. However, there was reports saying he did receive a positive test and then took another test and then it was negative. Most of his countrymen don't believe him. Yeah. I mean, we've talked He's a little bit about Trump like we've yeah. talked about the Brazilian president on this podcast before and how yes. uh, he has a, a kind of a history lying about stuff. Yeah. Especially health stuff. Yeah. So Sarah Condensor is a twitter personality that i fucking love she's actually she's a political personality she also has her own podcast called gaslit nation which is amazing and she actually goes to talk about how she is actually she has been correctly predicting things for a while which worries me greatly because she's very pessimistic but one of the things that she's talking about that she she's saying she can't figure out is that trump is actually a huge germaphobe and the fact that he's downplaying 
the virus for him personally seems weird. So I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what to do with this information, but I agree that it is kind of weird because he is a very like known germaphobe. But Here's the anyway. thing about that, that I am not surprised in the slightest by that behavior because okay. he is a germaphobe, but he is also very much a person who likes to present himself as above everyone else. True. Um, so it very much could be that he is privately taking a lot of precautions about it, but publicly, or at least in front of other people, he wants to appear like he's not worried or like he doesn't believe he can get it. Or maybe he genuinely believes that he doesn't get it because the precautions he thinks he's already taking are enough. That's true, because then he did come out recently during a public address saying that the CDC is now recommending that everyone wear face masks if they go out, but that he will not be wearing one. He specifically said, everyone else should, but I'm fine. Yeah, because either he believes that the precautions he's taking are good enough because he's he can't be wrong, mm-hmm. or he is trying to project this, this appearance of being above it and being immune, quote unquote, to it, because other to do otherwise would be appearing weak, in a right. sense. That's my opinion on the matter. No, I think I think that's a good breakdown. There there was something going around that you should be taking off your shoes at home. So I mean, the you should advice, be just be doing that anyway. You should be doing that anyway. Honestly, like I don't understand people who wear shoes in the house. But this advice has not been widely adopted. Yes, there is evidence that COVID-19 can survive on surfaces for days, and that would include your shoes. But as noted in the Huffington Post article, this Daily Mail article is based on, there is no proof right now that coronavirus comes into the house on shoes. So I think that's more like it doesn't it doesn't stay on the ground, probably. So there's no reason it would be on the bottoms of your shoes. I mean, like, the- un- unless somebody sneezed directly on the ground and then you yeah. walked through a puddle of their snot. Yeah. Yeah. The five. So the five-day figure that is attributed in the Daily Mail article is from a single American doctor and does not seem to be based on any published studies. Five-day? Yeah, they're saying that it stays on your shoes for five days. Oh, so it lives on, on uh, surfaces yeah. for five days. Which is longer than any other surface that I know. I think the longest it survives on any surface is plastic, and I think that's three days. From I what I remember. I don't know if they've done definitive, like, test proofs of how long it exists on certain they, surfaces. I don't think they have. They've just been guessing because right now, like, they're just telling everyone to basically, like, if you go grocery shopping when you come home to sanitize everything or repackage it. I'm going to actually like, cut you off with that right there, Chelsea. Really? Because there is a counter argument that there is – what happened was that there is one doctor who made a video talking about how you can – sanitize all of your groceries you can keep things in your car you can do all this stuff to make sure that you're safe that went viral yeah and to be fair to that doctor those are all valid things that you can do and it's not necessarily like incorrect information okay it's not necessary though okay i've been seeing some other articles of people talking about it and about like health organizations talking about it where they say no so long as you are maintaining proper protocol of washing your hands after you manipulate anything and before you eat, you mm. are fine. You okay. don't need to sanitize your groceries, especially things that are like in cardboard bags or, or boxes or in stuff. That stuff isn't meant to be sanitized to begin with. The surface is like a porous and like wiping Clorox on cardboard really isn't going to help it. Yeah, Okay. So what you should really be doing is just like, also, you don't need to wear gloves in public. Oh, I was told that you do. People have been doing that. But the thing about that is the way that people have been using them is incorrect. Oh, that is true. Because people who wear gloves in public wear them all day and then take them off when they get home. 
Mm-hmm. What you should be doing with gloves, and this is a thing for both like doctors do this, scientists do this, is you put on gloves when you're going to be t- handling something dangerous, and then afterwards you immediately take them off because the contaminant then lives on the gloves. Yeah. Anything else you touch with those gloves, including your face, then has the contaminant on it. It defeats the purpose of them entirely. Right. So if you're not going to, if you're going to go into a grocery store and buy your food, and then as soon as you leave the grocery store, before you even put stuff in your car, you take the gloves off, sure, go for it. But if you're going to be going to a bunch of different stores, if you're not going to take your gloves off until you get to your house, there's no point in wearing them. Okay. What you should be doing is you should be sanitizing your hands regularly, ideally washing your hands regularly, yeah. and definitely washing your hands before you cook a meal and before you eat the meal. Okay. That's what you should be doing. This actually goes along this actually goes along with what you just said because the next thing is that you need to be the, uh, the Daily Mail says you should be washing your fruit with soap, which is not something you should be doing. You should not be washing your fruit with soap. So the idea that you would need to wash fruits and vegetables with soap is not widely held. There's no evidence that COVID-19 is transmitted through food. And according to Australia's National Science Agency, the CSIRO, washing fruit and vegetables in fresh water just prior to eating is enough. And hand soap and dishwashing detergent are not designed for direct use on food. They're not designed for consumption, guys. Also, yeah, that's the big deal is that you could be ingesting amounts of soap. If yeah. That's not properly like wash off of your food, which is bad for you. You can, however, um, this is actually just generally speaking, like I use a fruit and vegetable watch for some things like that's fine. That's something that people do like year round. For me specifically, I Okay, and here has nothing to do with sanitation, but you should wash your strawberries in a vinegar solution, in a, like, one part vinegar, two parts water solution, so that they actually last longer. You need to rinse them before you eat them from the vinegar solution, but if you wash them when you immediately get them in a vinegar solution and then put them in an airtight container, they should last longer. Hmm. Yeah. Fun facts about strawberries. But then wash them before you eat them because you don't want to eat vinegar. I mean, some people do want to eat vinegar. Sure. I just don't think vinegar goes with strawberries but maybe i'm wrong watch out for air conditioning the research this claim is based on does not actually suggest that the coronavirus is airborne and that it spreads through air conditioning or that it is more contagious than previously thought instead it suggests that virus-laden droplets can land on air conditioning vents like any other surface and as a reminder to observe hygienic practices so don't cough into your air conditioning don't cough into your air conditioning but also like they did say that part of the reason that it was spreading so much on cruise ships was because the ventilation system was all connected. Your ventilation system, even in your apartment building, probably is not connected so to the point where you're going to be getting whatever illness your neighbor has. Yeah, no. Uh, pretty sure that's illegal and shouldn't... Yeah. And then all asthmatics need to self-isolate for 12 weeks. No. What? Yeah. Their recommendation is only for those with severe asthma, and authorities have not made this recommendation. It's possible that having asthma can increase the likelihood of severe infection, but it's not a lot of evidence at the moment. This is also from Daily Mail Australia, just FYI. So does that change things? No, I'm just because I mentioned the uh, University of Queensland earlier. And if Mm -hmm. I say authorities, they mostly mean the Australian government. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because someone said that Oh, so there. So a doctor in Beijing said that they're worried about a second outbreak. That's something that the CDC and the WHO has already been talking about. This doctor from Beijing, there, the Daily Mail is calling the, her the leading doctor, but there's no clear reason on why they're calling her that. She has no title that would give to her being the leading doctor in Beijing. And 
there's a statistic that says 14% of recovered coronavirus patients are going back into the hospital with severe problems. The 14% stat comes from the Disease Control Center of China's Guangdong province, and it's probably because their negative test was inaccurate, not because they got the virus again. Mm -hmm. Coronavirus is airborne. They're saying that their findings do not confirm that the virus spreads to the air. It's possible the virus spreads to the air, but there is no conclusive evidence because it's still it's still droplet based. Right. So to us, it seems like it's air based, but it's not. And then diarrhea and vomiting are early signs. They are not. That has not been one of the symptoms that has been, uh, according to the WHO and the CDC. The most common symptoms are fever, tiredness and dry cough. But some patients may have aches and pains, nasal congestion, runny nose, sore throat or diarrhea. The Daily article, the Daily Mail article is based on a study of 204 patients in Wuhan, and its authors acknowledge that further large sample studies are needed to confirm these findings, and the Australian government says it is rare for COVID-19 patients to have diarrhea or vomiting. And that's it. All right. Well, so those are some good tips and a little bit of discussion going forward with uh, the current global pandemic. Yep. Feel free, listeners, to send us any conspiracies that you have heard of or have been told about Especially ones that, like, your parents are sending through chain letters. But also, this is a good lesson in even, like, things that you think are smart and things that make sense. Just double check everything, kind of. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, wear gloves in public sh- seems like a good idea. But then when you when you look deeper into it, you're like, oh, so I either need to wear gloves in public and adhere to strict rules about that, or there's no point in doing it. And the whole thing about masks, we talked about it last week, is you should be wearing a mask because so many people that have the virus are asymptomatic. So it's actually, it's the mask isn't protecting you. It's protecting everyone else. Yeah, it's not about you not getting it. It's about you not spreading it. You should be wearing a mask in public, though. As our ad last week and this week will tell you, we have a friend who is selling them. Yay. At a discount for our listeners. So anyway, everyone to the podcast. First. Yes, everyone welcome to Cults, Cryptids, and Conspiracies. I almost said coronavirus, but not <laughs> not anymore. This not is anymore. Cults, This is Cults, Cryptids, and Conspiracies, the podcast where we talk about things that are unknown, believed to be true, mysterious, sometimes blatantly false, and sometimes just fun. We discuss things that people believe are real, things that are actually real that people didn't want you to know about, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we're trying to be more fun during these trying times, but I guess you get to be, you get to decide if that's true or not. You get to decide if it's lighthearted or not. Yeah. First, we have correspondence from Twitter. Yes, our correspondence and corrections. So first off, Issa the Fox sent us an article about how Scientology is staying open. Because of course it is. Because of course it is. And claiming that their virus protection is the best on Earth. Sure. But then again, there's a lot of Christian-based, I want to say, religious movements. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of people. There was a lot. Because today is Easter. There's been a lot of issues with churches who are explicitly defying the stay-at-home order. And, and having masks. Order. Yeah. Yeah. But I just got the notification that in LA specifically, they are now giving out fines. They are already doing that in New York. I have a whole separate list of issues with them doing that, but we're not going to go there right now. <laughs> Listen, if people can do Passover via Zoom, you yeah. can do Easter Mass via the internet also. I mean, that's what the Pope did. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to give shout outs to Gulf and Energy, Poisoned underscore Joe, and Kino, of course, for sending us some excellent memes on Twitter. Um, Poison Joe especially sent us a video was uh, of people seeing something in the sky and thinking it's Jesus, sure. which is great. 
My Sir Padfoot sends, in recent episode, you told us to be considerate creeps, and I can't stop thinking about how much I want a shirt slash sticker slash pin that says considerate creep or considerate cryptid on it. Aw, that'd be nice. New sticker idea. Yeah. <laughs> Check in on all your friends who are baking banana bread. <laughs> Chelsea. That's, that's me, regardless of the pandemic, though. I'm gonna, I will say, though, you have been baking a lot more. And I it is did, beginning to yeah. make me a little concerned. I did make three cakes this the, weekend. Um, the amount you're baking seems yeah. like a cry for help, honestly. It possibly is. I actually, I baked three cakes because I wanted to make angel food cake. But if you've ever made an angel food cake, it requires 12 egg whites. And I wasn't about to waste 12 egg yolks. Yeah. So there's another cake called gold cake that takes 12 egg yolks. And um, I actually just put a sign on our door saying, hey, I made too much cake. Please come get some. And I had a couple neighbors come get some cake from me. <laughs> this isn't necessarily a Twitter thing, but it's something we posted to our Twitter that we have officially been funded to read the entire Twilight, the canonical Twilight series. Yeah. We still have not. What's the what's the one that is from Edward's point of view called? I don't know, but I feel like I please don't make it. I don't know how to make that podcast interesting. It's like New Dawn or something. I can't remember. Yeah. But we have been officially we have officially been uh, paid to to read the entire canonical Twilight series. Mal was relieved when he was like, oh, there's one more. And I'm like, no, 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 there's only three. He's like, I thought the, the third one was split into two. And I'm like, that's movies, not books. There's yeah, only three movies, books. not books. But there is another there is another book from Edward's point of view. I, I just don't know if we can make that an interesting podcast thing. Well, if, if you want to make us suffer, there are plenty of other series that we have read that have many books in them that you can make us suffer with. <laughs> Give us your opinions and also your book suggestions. But yeah. first, let's go do some emails. Emails. Speaking of suggestions, thank you, Aaron, for sending us a suggestion for a future podcast. Thank you to Peter, the our correspondent for the Daily Bummersville Why, who sends us a photo of Leonardo da Vinci where, trying to wear a face mask, but he doesn't have an ear on one side. <laughs> it's Van Gogh. Okay, Van Gogh. Who the fuck? What the fuck did I say? You said Da Vinci. I would be amazed if it was an it was a painting of Da Vinci. I'm. I don't even know. Here, let's. Do you want to read? Do you want to retake that one? No, you can keep that in because I almost right. said DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we are. But no, it's a great meme of Van Gogh uh, trying to wear a face mask but being unable to. Look, my brain is not working anymore, Listen, guys. As long as you know that I gave you the out, I gave you the option you to re-record it. You gave me the it. out, but you know what? We deserve a laugh in this trying time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you also to Mitchell, who sent us a lot of memes from Australia. Yes. Thank you to Brooke, who sent us the moon landing was gay, which is a Tumblr post where they're talking about how they met someone who honestly thought that Buzz Aldrin and Lance Armstrong were husbands. Aw, that's kind of cute. Yeah. But also sent us another image of the kitty brick. Yes. And would like and hopes we're surviving the apocalypse well, but would especially like to hope that Stitch's egg and Spock are surviving the apocalypse well, which fair. Egg is honestly living his best life right now. <laughs> Uh, Egg had his teeth removed that were giving him a lot of pain. Yeah. And so he's like, he is living it up. Like, he is I'm so feeling, happy for Egg. He is feeling himself. He is treating himself. He's asleep on the couch in the living room right now. Like, Aww. Egg is his best self in this moment. I'm so happy for him. And our lovely correspondent, Dr. Sylvia Kilgallen, a host of the Poison Room podcast, sends another book for you, Chelsea, which is in fact... The Jupiter Effect. 
the PDF version Thank of the book. Thank you. Oh my god, it's the actual PDF version that I was trying to fucking find. Of course Sylvie has it. I know, of course Sylvie, Sylvie has Sylvie has, it. like, eldritch book powers. Yeah. Um. So thank you very much, Sylvie, for sending that to us. All right, and I think that's it. That is it for the front of the podcast, which means that it's now time to get a little word from our sponsors. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. In these trying times, the world is not really good. Everything's kind of gross. You need a face mask. You definitely need a face mask, but you also want to keep your aesthetic. You want to look cute. You want to be safe. You want to look cute. So what do you get, What do you do, Chelsea, when you have those two competing urges? You buy a face mask from our friend Kristen. You buy a face mask from chainstitchcreative.bigcartel.com. And you get some cute-as-fuck face masks. They're fabric, they're machine washable, they're reusable, and they can, you can get a whole bunch for your whole family. She even does like group orders so you can buy like a pack of four at once. Yeah. And just for our listeners, we have a code for you to get 20% off of your order. You can type in C19, the number 19, podcast during checkout to receive 20% off your total order. And Kristen says that the code expires when the virus does. (laughs) Yeah. So as long as the virus is still happening, she'll keep making those face masks and that code will still work for 20% off for you. So that is chainstitchcreative.bigcartel.com. And that code is C19podcast. Get a mask, look cute, don't spread the virus. Be safe. Be safe. And we're back. Yes. And it's my turn. It is your turn. What have you brought? Chelsea, what have you brought before the council today? Well, let me tell you. Okay. So in 2005, the FBI was made aware of an online group allegedly started by a protege of Fred Phelps of the Westboro Baptist Church, which is a whole other thing we got to do at some point. Mm -hmm. Yes. Called the Church of the Hammer. The name came from a 1486 text called Malus Malficarum, which is usually translated as the Hammer of Witches. And going back for some historical context... This text is targeted as the main reason for the rise in the witch trials, as before publication, witchcraft was normally punished by, for example, a day in the stocks. So, God, those must have been great times. You do <laughs> yeah. some crazy ritual or whatever, and they're like, just, just go in the stocks. For a day. And I then mean, afterwards, you're like, hey, 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 hey. And, and then after that, it was, you're going to get burned at the stake. What? What? Sorry, What? So Malleus Malficarum was a text presenting that those who practice witchcraft were led astray by Satan and in fact committing some of the worst sins leading to the witch trials and the superseding of the normal legal procedures of trial and declaring witchcraft as the ultimate sin and leading to the deaths of thousands of people. Are you about to tell me that there's modern day witch hunters? No, I wish. That would actually be like really fucking cool. (laughs) 
There is a lot of controversy surrounding the text, especially with who was involved with writing it, the actual controversy of the original author. So there is an original author that we can all like agree wrote, like started writing the original text, but there's a lot of controversy as to who may have like contributed to it as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a lot of controversy about the original author, how much influence it had and so on. But that's a topic for another time. Like I started looking into it and I was like, oh, this is a lot for now. The important thing to note is that a cult naming themselves after such a text would definitely be somehow interested in punishment of those that they related to the occult, specifically goths. They're goth hunters? Yeah. Well, the goths never hurt anybody. While the Church of the Hammer specifically targeted goths, they still weren't picky about other groups that they believed were also defying God. That included people who didn't listen to priests, witches, homosexuals, non-believers, false prophets, women who are not virgins on their wedding night, people who worked on the Sabbath, and they also called for the death of the entire town if one person worships another god. Wow. Death, quote, death of hitting dad. I don't understand what that meant. Death of what? Hitting dad. So I guess people who hit their fathers. Okay. Death for cursing parents and death for blasphemy. With a couple of exceptions, it all seems like pretty standard stuff especially for a cult that would be associated with the Westboro Baptist Church. On their website is a quote from the Reverend R.J. Green, who is the creator of this whole project, that states, the greatest threat to today's society is the rise of the gothic subculture. Goth is a sinister and violent subculture obsessed with Satanism, Wicca, vampirism, BDSM, rape, child abuse, Hitler, bondage, six sexual perversions, serial killers, death, drugs, self-mutilation, and other sick practices too vile to mention. Goths are the devil's children. In my opinion, goths are more dangerous to children than pedophiles. Jesus Christ. Though with that list up to a point, I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. And then (laughs) uh, you got to like rape and I was like, okay. I'm sorry. I think I, oh no, I got to rape first. Uh, Then Hitler- there's Hitler, a lot of, there's definitely. There's a lot of Nazi goths that there's, are mentioned. There's like, it, there's a line that's drawn. Because the first th- few things you said, I was like, yep, no vampirism, totes, 100%. All of that's in there. My, no, no, no. please, listen, goths just want to be spooky together. And the first thing you'll notice on their website, which is godhatesgoths.com, is a photo taken from a security cape during the Columbine shootings of the killers. So it's the photo, it's actually like a pretty widely known photo of them in the cafeteria mm-hmm. when they were just throwing out the pipe bombs. Here's the thing, though, also. Mm-hmm. I feel like godhatesgoths.com is something that a goth would make. <laughs> I feel like there would be, like, a goth subculture rave group or whatever that uh, calls themselves godhatesgoths.com. Sure. Why not? So scrolling down the page, you'll see scriptures listed with explanations next to them about how goths are breaking rules set in the Bible and are therefore the lowest form of humans for things like rebelling, cross-dressing, promoting a homosexual lifestyle, and more. There was a lot. There was there was a lot, guys. Are we sure that the Bible's not talking about the Visigoths? The what? No, it didn't say goth specifically. It was literally pulling quotes saying like, here is a quote about rebelling mm-hmm. that also we're going to attribute because goths are rebellious. Kind of thing. Punks are rebellious, though. Yeah, but they Listen, are specifically targeting goths. But the punks are known for being rebellious. That's their whole thing. That was just one part. They're also saying that goths cross-dress, I guess. I mean, that's not exclusively goth and no, also not, not in necessarily goth. And promoting a homosexual lifestyle, which, again, not exclusively goth. I think goths promote, like, a spooky lifestyle. Yeah. So at the bottom of the page, you'll find two links. One that's a letter for parents and one that is a letter for goths. 
Okay. And the letter for parents, Reverend Green talks about how he isn't going to, quote unquote, put your mind at rest if you suspect your child is a goth and that you need to take swift action or else they'll walk into high school heavily armed with 45 sawn off shotguns and pipe bombs and execute 500 students. Jesus Christ. That's in the letter. He goes on to explain an encounter with a mother whose daughter, quote, turned her back on God and embraced Satanism with both hands because she read Harry Potter at 12. Harry Potter is so prep, though. The mother asked where her daughter's- He's a jock that grew up to be a cop. Yeah, really, though. But come on. Uh, I actually had a friend in school whose parents hated me because I brought a Harry Potter book to their house and I was unaware that um, Harry Potter was apparently devil- worship it's it's 100 devil worship chelsea you should have known better to be fair her parents also hated one of my friends who was born on halloween because she was i know you're also born on halloween i had a friend i had a friend from like elementary school all the way through like high school who um had who whose birthday was on halloween who was not allowed to talk with this friend because her parents forbade it because she was clearly the devil's child that that would be uh sick though yeah that'd be that'd be awesome though like not gonna lie anyway so the mother asked where her daughter's soul was because she had died at the age of 14 hoping for words of comfort but the reverend told her that her daughter was burning in hell for all of eternity because of her choices yep the letter to goths isn't at all better and in fact is probably worse depending on how you feel about the mocking the death of a 14 year old versus some pretty heavy ableism directed at walmart greeters and their supposed intelligence level what? Not going to quote it. Not going to quote it. But it's okay. basically saying that goths are even there. We'll get into it. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of ableism that happens. People know that there is like an actual functional reason that their Walmart has greeters, right? Like yeah, people know the reason that those exist, right? It's loss prevention. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm aware. Psychologically, you're less likely to steal from a store if somebody there acknowledges you. Yeah. Like if somebody who works there acknowledges that you're in the store. At the bottom of both letters, you are then told to click through to the main site where you're told that where you're told that some coming soon articles include are goths responsible for global warming? Why no. Wiccans are sacrificing babies? Learn mm. the secret goth handshake. Oh, I want to learn the secret goth handshake. Learn why cats are evil and hated by God. <gasps> Not kitties. Hitler. Was he the first goth? No. And so on with links to recent news, petitions, an online store, an interview with an ex-vampire, and many other articles written by Revan Green. How do you be an ex-vampire? I don't know. I didn't read the article. How do you become... I. It feels like being a vampire is a fairly finality thing. Like, you don't stop being a vampire. Just because you feel like it. Just because you feel like it. Maybe they got bit by something even worse. I don't know. So in 2005, the FBI actually became aware of the church because of their Yahoo group, God Hates Goths, when a goth actually engaged with members of the church trying to dispel their misconceptions about the relationship between subculture and Satanism. And here is a quote from the FBI report. Blank has reported he has come to know what he knows because he has engaged in an online debate with one of the church members known as Rachel. Blank said he has been trying to get Rachel to leave the church and convince her that it is possible to be gothic and not be a follower of Satan. Blank said Rachel is a moderator of a Yahoo group called God Hates Goths and was moderator of a former group called Parents Against Goths. Blank provided the writer with emailed copies of some of the chat posted in the Yahoo group. Among these postings, several statements are made that led the writer to be concerned about the past criminal activity in Colorado and potential future criminal activity against their labeled enemies of God. Among the concerning statements are, that's why they left Colorado and came to Mass. One of our followers was charged with arson and we feared a backlash. Jesus. Because, like, 
This is funny up to a point that like a group would get mad at a subculture who just wants to wear black and be spooky and talk about death and stuff. Uh Uh-huh. But also like, no, these people are unhinged. The goth who remains unnamed in the FBI report was apparently unsuccessful and the FBI deemed the church enough of a threat to go into a full investigation. Agents actually feared that if they did not put a stop to this soon, they might have another Waco on their hands. Yes. Another quote from the FBI report. Church of the Hammer is purportedly a group of people who espouse hatred for various groups, including but limited to goths, which is homosexuals, people of other religions, sexually promiscuous people, and others who do not share their view of Christianity. It was reported that this group has possibly already committed arson to clubs of an unknown variety and intentionally poisoned mentally, our word, children in Colorado before relocating to Massachusetts. It was reported that this group has arms and is waiting for a sign from God to begin killing those whom he hates. Ryder has attempted to positively identify the location of this group and its purported leader, Reverend Randy Green, and then the rest of it's cut off. However, soon after opening the investigation, there seemed to be a problem. None of the people asked about the many incidents that the church are supposedly involved in had any clue what the agents were talking about. Ooh. And if you scroll down and if you scroll down further on God Hates Goths on the God Hates Goths website, you'll be able to see why. Because after all the articles about how Hitler was a goth or how many Nazis were goths or how all goths are potential terrorists, you'll get to three more, quote, organizations that are supposedly linked to the site, including God Hates Harry Potter, pretty standard, mm-hmm. God Hates R Word, getting pretty harsh here about how Jesus would weep with joy if, quote, every filthy R Word dropped dead down dead tomorrow. That sounds that sounds like a Nazi thing, though, is the thing, because that then, was a Nazi belief right there. And then finally... God hates women. Apparently, 99.999% of all women born today are going straight to hell. You'll notice an About Us section where it says, Disclaimer, the God Hates Goths website, Parents Against Goth Movement, and God's Hammer Baptist Church are complete words of fiction. It is a satire parody. Nor do we state that we agree in any way with any of the content or views or beliefs within these articles or within the fictional views of the fictional character Reverend R.J. Green or any of his fictional followers or fictional members of his fictional church. The say is meant to be viewed as a black humor, parody and satire on very real people and organizations out there who do think goth and metal is the devil's music. For more information on people who really are speaking out against rock and goth music, please view our resources section. Apparently... The FBI never bothered to check the website of the church they were investigating, or they oh, would have wow. noticed that the whole thing was satire. Not good satire, but satire nonetheless. Yeah, I was about to say, though, because part of satire has to be that it is clear you're making fun of something. Yeah. And considering this, all the stuff that you've said so far, I would, I 100% would have believed that this was true. There was Absolutely. nothing you said that flagged in my brain is like, that's a little extreme. Because right? yeah, it was extreme, but there are idiots. Oh, absolutely. But the thing is, good to know our tax dollars are hard at work. Oh, yeah, 100%. FBI research is great, apparently. It took two years for them to close the investigation. It took two years for them to finally go on the website and be like, oh, it says here it's satire. Whoopsies, guys. And while we all know that there have been incidents that we've talked about on this podcast that prove that not everything the FBI investigates is of great importance, they have an entire file on Bigfoot. Unfortunately, they're not too keen about sharing all the times they were duped by idiots online. So while originally what I wanted to do with this episode was for it to be about how the FBI generally just kind of sucks at its job. Hey, remember how quite recently they admitted that they kind of just lost most of their reports on white supremacist groups in the United States? Lost, though. Lost. Yeah. yeah. With with very uh, audible air quotes. Yeah. I couldn't find anything on Google, and I'm not really sure how to fill out a Freedom of Information Act request for every time you got fooled by trolls on the internet. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so I decided to go a slightly different route and talk about another famously fake cult that, even if just briefly, fooled the internet. And we'll talk about this after the Patreon break. All right. So what's what's for the Patreon? I don't know. Mal's not here. And I don't want to talk more. Mal left? He's he's doing stuff in the living room. Okay. You could acquire a Mal. But let me look up and see if anybody's emailed us a Patreon suggestion. But yeah, did you see that twist coming? It was a good twist. Yeah. Because uh, 100% the thing is, like, I believe that existed. Absolutely. I think, well, I knew when I was researching it that it was fake. Because the, the reason I actually got to this is because I saw an article saying, hey... Today I learned about a time that the FBI was fooled for two years by a fake cult. And I was like, oh. oh, so I researched it. And the thing that really kind of the whole hating goths thing is like, yeah, that's standard. But they went on a whole tirade about, quote unquote, like the art there. The R word is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say it. And talking about how they're all going to hell and Jesus cries with joy every time one dies. And it was like really weird. And I didn't understand why that had to be part of this satire website. Yeah, Like that was the part like you could have said that like most women are going to hell. That's funny. I think saying like the quote is literally 99.999% of women are all going to hell. I think that's kind of funny. And that Harry Potter is devil like also funny. The thing is there are people who believe that. Yeah, like legitimately. And making, and making fun of them. But then when you go into like anyone who's mentally challenged is also going to hell, like, okay. Yeah. And the quote specifically about Walmart readers is someone with cerebral palsy. And I'm like, uh, was this necessary? Mm-hmm. Like, no, it yeah. was absolutely not necessary. It's going beyond satire into something that's just gratuitous. It's just people who uh, love South Park and think that that's the height of humor. Yeah, basically. Well, I found an email uh, that was full of some lovely uh, Patreon ad suggestions words. Awesome. So uh, in for Mackenzie, I am going to attempt to do the Patreon ad in the style of a used car salesman. Oh, great. I'm so excited. Okay, so. Hey, everybody, come on down to patreon.com slash cults, cryptids, conspiracies, and get yourself a brand new Patreon tier for the new year. We're having our crazy sale right now where you can drive off the lot in a brand new or partially used Patreon tier of your choice. Zero credit down. You have bad credit. If you have no credit, we don't care because our prices are so crazy low that you can drive off in a Patreon tier at any level. We have our $2 tier. You can get a lovely family-sized crypt cord. Technically speaking, it only fits one person, but you know what? You can commute to all see all of your friends on the internet, talk to everybody else in the crypt cord, get that Discord goodness. And you know what? We're going to pack a little bibliography in the trunk there for you absolutely free as a special add-on for our crazy Patreon sale. But even better, we have our $5 tier. You want some bits? You want a little bit of something else that's going to give you a little cool ride? when you're, you know, commuting or whatever, some fun things, you're going to want the bits, the extra bits that we take off the other Patreon tiers access to the podcast and we give just to you. But even that's not enough. We're having an even crazier sale where you can write off the law today in our $10 tier. You're going to get access to Parlor of the Paranormal two months in advance. That is two months, zero pay down on your car payment. I don't know. I'm just saying things now. 
you can get access to a podcast within a podcast where we have to read paranormal romance novels. We're going to have somebody from our lot sit in your car telling you about a paranormal romance novel so that you can laugh at us because we had to read it. We have to read all of the Twilight books and you get to hear it two weeks or two months before everybody else does. We have to read all the Twilight books. But even that's not enough. You want a luxury car right now, and I can't give that to you, but I can give you a luxury Patreon tier right now. Only one person every month is going to drive off the lot with our special $25 librarian tier, where you get to pick the book that everybody else gets to listen to. So if you want to get a nice, shiny, brand new or partially owned Patreon tier today, come on down to patreon.com slash cults, cryptids, conspiracies and subscribe at any level. There's also the $100 tier that two people did. Two people did did do that. I will also, if you come down, if you come down to the lot right now and give me a hundred bucks, I will swear for you. (laughs) I'll give you a good old swear. And listen, sometimes it's cathartic in these trying times. It, It super is. But you also get everything else from the lower tiers when you subscribe to a higher tier. Which is how we were forced to read the first two Twilight books. Exactly. And now we have the third one. That's that's very true. All of those are through. Yep. Yep. Anyway. So I hope I did that somewhat uh, correct. I don't know. All right. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> My dad's I- a car salesman, but he's not a used car salesman. There's a very big line between the two. When I had to... Uh, buy a car I just it was just Kill Bill Sirens in my head the whole time and I blacked <laughs> out and then I left with a Honda Civic so it's great having a dad who sells cars because I don't have to deal with that shit I can just be like hey dad I need a new car can you just come to the dealership with me and you probably know half the people who work there and then one just appears yeah um anyway so going on instead of having this whole episode about how the FBI sucks which we could still do at some point uh I decided to do a whole thing about fake cults that fooled the internet and excellent, excellent. specifically, I guess, during the aughts, because the aughts were a fucking crazy ass time, everyone. You say that like this, it, you're not currently in a crazy ass time? No, that's fair. But I mean, a crazy ass time for the internet. Uh, because, my statement stands. Because in the aughts, the internet was now suddenly widely available, but people still didn't really know how to use it. Or that's like fair. critically think about it. They also still, fair. Yeah. So still don't. But this it was more wide that people were like, didn't really know what to do. No, absolutely. You're right. Yeah. So during the same time period, we'll go back to 2006. In June of 2006, YouTube was about 16 months old. Can you even imagine YouTube just like being the the new thing? Yeah. A baby YouTube. And there were a few bloggers on YouTube. I mean, it wasn't like the biggest part of YouTube. Now we have like actual YouTubers that have their own fucking conventions. But back then, there were some people that would, like, post daily diaries or whatever. But a lot of it was just like, oh, there's that video you can think of. I bet it's on YouTube. Like, just random videos. Like, the the, his- the evolution of dance video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember that shit? YouTube used to just be where you see individual videos, not, like, series of videos like it kind of is now. I think that the crazy Japanese man who makes knives out of stuff is the best thing that's ever happened <laughs> in my life, personally. <laughs> so I want to thank YouTube for that. So on June in 20, in 2006, a 16-year-old girl uploaded her first video blog from her bedroom. Her, she became popular very quickly. Her name was Brie, and she would go on about life, relationships, planets, cookies, 
and religion and her strict parents. So she was homeschooled. She had one very close friend named Daniel, who everyone thought possibly wanted to be more than friends with her. And these postings went on for quite a few months and they were generally tame. They were just like a 16 year old girl about talking about life and talking about her strict parents and how she's homeschooled. So she's not as, you know, socially like socialized, socialized. She talks about how she likes some really obscure poets, things like that. But things started to get weird. Suddenly, the religious aspect of her personality started to really come out. And at first, people were like, hey, is she like Mormon or something? And she started talking about how there was some kind of ceremony she had to take part in. And if you don't already know, I'm talking about the YouTube viral, uh, viral series Lonely Girl 15. I've heard of Lonely Girl 15. I know nothing about it, though. For the first few months that it existed, people thought that Brie was a real person. She was a 16-year-old girl who would talk about her life and her relationship with her friend Daniel and her relationship with her very strict parents and her very weird religion. Things started to go spiral downhill very quickly when she would go more into her religion. And people were like, hey, are you in a cult? And a lot of people started to get very concerned. She had her own MySpace page that people would go to and talk to her. She you know, for the casual viewer, seemed to be pretty legit. Until September of that year, a Guardian writer actually found the MySpace page of Jessica Rose, who was the actress playing Brie Avery, aka Lonely Girl 15. So Jessica Rose was a recent graduate from a film academy and had been looking for a job in acting. And in her third casting interview, in her third audition, was for this character that she said was for a movie. Well, when she went to the audition and she went to talk with the producers, they admitted that it wasn't for a movie and she wasn't going to be paid. What? So immediate red flags went up. Jessica said that that was something that her professors had told her to be on the lookout for, apparently, especially back then. And I don't know about now because I am not an actress, but a lot of people would try and recruit you to do porn that way. So she like immediately left the left the meeting. She's like, no, fuck this. The guy. Yeah. One of the producers immediately called her back and said, no, no, no. Trust me, this is like not, I'm not like being creepy. It's not porn. And she goes, yeah, okay. But she did agree to meet with them again. And they told her, it's not a movie. We're actually trying to do something completely different that has never been done before. And we need you to sign an NDA. So they had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. And she had to basically become an entirely different person. She became Brie Avery, who was a 16-year-old girl who was living with her strict religious parents, being homeschooled, and had one friend in the outside world, who was Daniel, who was also played by another actor named Yusuf Abu Talib. But was she getting paid, though? She eventually did get paid. So at first, she was not. Everything was filmed in one of the producer's bedrooms. The two producers, who were the masterminds behind the Lonely Girl 15 videos, at least in the beginning, were Ramesh Flinders, who was a screenwriter and filmmaker from Marin County, California, and Miles Beckett, who was a doctor-turned-filmmaker. So he literally, during some of the filming of the first few videos of the Lonely Girl 15 series, he was still working as an urgent care doctor. Okay. The high quality of the videos caused many... People to be suspect of whether or not like this was real because back then, like people who were blogging from their home, like there wasn't as many commercially commercially available things like there are now. Like Mal and I have a fucking circle light that we have in the back room somewhere. Like this is stuff that people just kind of have now. We have a green screen even that we can just pull up. Back then, this wasn't as easily found. 
Yeah, a 16-year-old, especially a 16-year-old with strict religious parents, isn't necessarily yeah. going to have high-quality audiovisual equipment. That being said, uh, Remish Flinders, who the bedroom that is in the videos is actually his bedroom that they dressed with a fuck ton of stuff from Target to make it look like a 16-year-old girl's bedroom. He says that they were using nothing more than a Logitech Quick Cam, which is a web camera that at the time retailed for about $150. Still kind of on the high end, but... Mm-hmm. Not as much on the high end. Not crazy. Not super crazy, but still like probably not gettable for someone who is being homeschooled in a strict religious household. Probably not. But they did actually fool the internet for several months. From June to September, the web series started coming together. And one of the thing, one of the other people that they decided to pull into it, there were two other people. One of them was Grant Steinfeld, who was a software engineer in San Francisco, that Flinders contrived to produce and distribute the videos to pique maximum curiosity about them. So basically what they were trying to do is this was the first instance of a video form of a web format series that was actually that could be more interactive. This is basically like the first web ARG. Well, you, you earlier you said that there were like she was talking about a ritual that she was supposed to yes. do, but you never talked about what that was. Are you going to go into that later? Oh, I'll go into it later okay. because they, okay, that okay. that all it it got real crazy. I was following this for the entire time it was online because mm-hmm. I was bored. Uh, that comes into it later because until it was discovered to be fake, they were trying to still make it realistic. Right. They were trying to make it. They were trying to fool people. So one of the reasons that Grant was brought in is because they were concerned that what they were doing was so new that they weren't sure it was legal. They were worried it was like fraud or something. Well, because uh, like the kind of stuff they were doing, it was, you know, it was a few years after the Blair Witch Project came out. And if you'll remember or at least, like, recall hearing about, a lot of people thought the Blair Witch Project was real. Well, that was, yeah, the marketing was that it was a whole found footage thing. Right. But the difference there that they were saying is that Blair Witch Project was something that was in a theater that people that you could realistically say, well, it was in a theater, like, obviously, it's just a film. Mm-hmm. Where this was something online where at the time there wasn't any serialized content online like there is now. There's a lot of YouTube shows out now. There's a lot of web content shows out now. But back then, this was literally the first. So they were just trying to make sure that nothing they were doing was going to be like get them in trouble. Mm -hmm. So their lawyer involved, they were trying to be like, is this legitimate? Is it ethical? And they were very concerned about it. So they came to the conclusion, however, that as long as they weren't trying to sell merchandise, they were fine. So they didn't sell any merchandise. They also could not lie to people because Brie was not the one talking back to people in emails and on MySpace. They actually recruited one of their wives, Amanda, to do that for them. Okay. And I believe it was the doctor's wife. So it was Amanda Beckett, who was the one who was recruited to basically be Brie behind the screen, not in front of the camera. So as long as they didn't explicitly say that it was Brie who was answering the, the messages. So if someone asked, are you real? They had to not answer. Okay. So that email had to basically go unanswered. She couldn't ever say that she couldn't ever lie to someone, Mm -hmm. basically. But she corresponded with a lot of people because a lot of people were getting to Bree's MySpace page and talking with her. At one point, the video was starting to get like the the series was starting to get a lot of views at one point. And remember, this is 16 months after YouTube came out. One of the videos, the video specifically about her parents and going more into her religion got 50,000 views within two or 500,000 views within two hours. Dang. Which 
today's day and age probably doesn't seem like a whole lot, but back then was unheard of. I mean, it seems like a lot to me, but then again, it I don't It still YouTube. seems like a lot, but but considering like if you're thinking about major YouTube players. Yeah. At the time, this was like one of the most watched videos on YouTube. This is one of the most watched creators on YouTube was Bree, the 16 year old. And at that point, Flinders actually called Beckett as he was coming out of a 16 hour shift at the hospital and said, you can quit your job. We just got 500,000 views in two hours. But was YouTube giving people money at this point? Like, no, not at that point. But they were like, we're going to be able to market this. We're going to be able to do something with this. Okay. So at that point, Jessica even was, you know, out shopping for books one day and got recognized by someone there. She said she was at a bookstore and she was looking for books and she noticed two people in the corner who were just kind of staring at her. And later they got an email saying, hey, I think I saw you out shopping today, but that can't be you. Right. Because it was in L.A. They Mm -hmm. never said what location that Brie was supposedly in, but people kind of thought it was the Midwest somewhere. Right. Which is why a lot of people at first were like, oh, she's Mormon or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then it was like the more they got into it, it's like, oh, no, this is like a legitimate cult. So at that point, Flinders and Beckett realized that they couldn't just have Jessica walking around. And at that point, she was actually about to start a job at TGI Fridays because, you know, this series wasn't paying her and she still needed to work. Right. They quickly got a loan from Steinfield's father and they paid Brie $500 a week to not work except for being in the web series. To just stay out of the public view and be in the web series. Yeah. And for her, she said that that was all she needed. So she turned down the job at TGI Fridays and was completely just doing the web series full time. At this point, they realized that the loan was going to run out and they needed more funding. So they started going to TV executives and trying to tell them like, hey, this is what we have. But at the time, again, this is the first of its kind. TV executives had no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. While there was web content for shows that were already airing on TV, there was no content that was specifically for the web. So a lot of them just like didn't understand it. And they ended up coming out of a lot of TV exec meetings, like just really disappointed because they were like, oh, well, this is the web content we have. We don't understand why we need your we don't understand why it's like your content needs to be put on our site or they would try and get a deal so that it would only stream on their site. And they're like, well, that kind of defeats the purpose of this new medium that we're trying to exploit. Right. Because if you stream exclusively on only one site, then it loses it, it loses its flavor. Yeah. Which it is loses true. the sense of it being like homemade in a sense. Yes. So unfortunately, at this point, the creators are thinking, oh, we're we're like too far ahead of everyone else, which in a way they actually kind of were. Mm -hmm. Because nowadays this would be a very easy thing to sell. Yeah. Um, Especially after you get so many thousands of views. There are people doing this like constantly. Yeah. But back then it wasn't. So they ended up, I believe it was Flinders actually ended up going to a, a CCA, going to the CCA, which is a creative agency and trying to get an agent and he went to a bunch of different agents and was basically shut out of their offices he sort of just snuck onto the premises oh jesus or no it was beckett because his wife worked there amanda and eventually he cornered a bunch of agents in a hallway and said give me five minutes and they were like fine you have five minutes and after that you're le- you have to be escorted off the premises he ended up mm-hmm. talking with them for about an hour and they signed him nice so at this point Things start starting to, you know, actually snowball for them. But at the same time, the more paper trail you have, the more obvious it is that this is something that's being produced and not something that's just organically happening, which is why within a few months, people were able to find out that this wasn't 
an actual 16-year-old girl behind a camera. Mm-hmm. In a way, it was a relief because a lot of people who were concerned that she was in some kind of cult were now no longer had to worry about that. <laughs> but also there were probably a lot of people who were pissed that they had been concerned and were tricked. Not as many people as you would think, actually. Okay. I thought that, too, because I was actually I did watch it. Mm-hmm. And I thought there was more people upset that it turned out to be fake. But it turns out that from the amount of views that they had, they act their views actually went up exponentially after admitting that it was a fake because their storyline also got way more elaborate. There was, all, there was at this point, they had a whole bunch of different YouTube channels of people who were intertwining. There was they did get a deal with Neutrogena <laughs> of all people. Weirdly. Okay. One of their char- so one of their characters that became fairly popular was supposedly a scientist at Neutrogena that was helping them out with the kind of because the, the whole ritual thing was about it's kind of hard to explain, especially because it sounds so. Remember, this is the same time that like Lost was airing and it was the number one show on TV. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind when I explain to you that the whole basis of the storyline is that there are certain women that are trait positive in their blood. And that the ritual involves taking their blood from them. Trait positive for what? Never elaborated on. Okay. Just trait positive, period. And so, and Jessica, and Brie was one of those girls. And that was the whole thing is the whole ceremony was to ascend her and take her blood because she was quote unquote trait positive. So she was being sought after by this cult. At one point, her parents get kidnapped. So they have to go on the run and they have this friend who is in LA who works for Neutrogena who is helping them out during lab work for them. Mm -hmm. He became such a popular character that Neutrogena actually came out and said he was employee of the month and gave him his own like web, (laughs) like, like email address. That's pretty funny. Right. So they were the first web content to actually have paid sponsorship. Nice. Not only that, but so, and then they, they obviously had to admit it was definitely fake. I mean, they admitted it was fake long before this, but at one point, Brie, quote unquote, died in the series. Okay. So they couldn't like, because like she, she goes through the ritual to save her friends, but she, uh-huh. quote, dies in the process. So obviously at that point, they're like, no, yeah, this is all, they're just actors, guys. It's fine. Yeah, no they're, one's, not, no one's they're hurt. not real. No one's hurt. This isn't real. Uh, at that point, the series kind of filtered, uh, like, goes off because it started getting really kind of weird and there were some ARG content which if you don't know is an augmented re- augmented right yes yeah reality game which is basically like you go into the real world and do stuff i remember i was a freshman in college at the time and they actually had a whole thing in san francisco that the actors were there and i wanted to go but i couldn't i don't remember why probably school or something i was yeah whatever so i remember like being a freshman and wanting to go to this, it was like in Ghirardelli Square. So it's also like kind of hard to get to if you don't have a car from SF State. Eh, not really. I mean, at the time, I just like, I had been living in San Francisco like six months. Okay. And I wasn't about to do it by myself because none of my friends were like weird like me and into this web series. But anyway, so it kind of went, it, it kind of ended after a while. I mean, it did end after a while. I remember specifically there was one integration that they had with a movie called Jumper, which I don't remember if you remember, like Hayden Christensen was in it and it was really bad. Yeah, no, it sounds very familiar. But uh, they had some kind of integrated content with Jumper that was in their web series. And so they got paid to do that. They were the first web content to have this kind of integrated advertising. So that actually led the way to a lot of other series being able to do that it led the way to to youtube as a platform being actually monetarily successful they ended up with their website because they had a website called lonelygirl15.com where they had Mm -hmm. all the videos on it and everything like that they were making ten thousand dollars a month through their website dang that's pretty cool 
Yeah. So this is, I want to talk about it, one, because it was kind of a culty thing that did fool a lot of people for many months, but two, also because it's kind of nice to be able to look out, look back on the aughts and see like where a lot of this start of this, this kind of content happened. Mm -hmm. So eventually it, it ended there. The, the two people that were involved, uh, the actors went off to do some stuff. I remember one of the actors I remember seeing in a car commercial about a year ago, which is good money. And in 2016, a new video was uploaded to Lonely Girl 15's YouTube channel with Jessica Rose playing Brie again, so not dead, saying that she's totally fine and that she understands that people have a lot of questions and that she's here for them and that she's so glad she went through with the ceremony and that everything is fine and the cult is not actually a cult. It's actually like a a great organization. (laughs) They said that it was going to be a whole new resurgence of the series. They had Snapchats. They had Instagrams. They had Twitters that were put up. But unfortunately, nothing ever happened. Aw, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Which is kind of sad because I'm like, I would have been interested in seeing it. But yeah, Yeah, I bet a bunch of people would have loved a revival. A lot of people were very interested in a revival happening. But for some reason, it just kind of filtered out. And I found no explanation as to why that happened. No. Too weird. So yeah, turns out cults are very easy to fake. And a lot of people are fooled by them, I think mostly because people are fascinated by them. But yeah, it's also a really good idea for an integrated YouTube content, as long as you aren't making people like seriously afraid. Is there a takeaway from these two stories of of fake groups? Yeah, make sure the cult you're like worried about and like reporting to the FBI is real. (laughs) I definitely think that this is this is like a good focus a group or what's it called um case study for like fact checking the fact checking the moral of the story like hey uh even if this thing seems legit always look into it at least a little bit yeah people do fake this stuff and also it's nice to know what the origin of the new web was like which was literally this fucking stupid ass web series that had a plot that was so cold like so weird that it was actually compared to lost i don't know if i call it a takeaway but it is a nice thing it's a nice thing to remember that like there is an origin for all the stuff that we consume today there is an origin for podcasts but i don't know what it is well all right thank you chelsea for these tales you're welcome do we want to do an email i think we could do a few emails all right let me where'd my phone go i don't know because i should read an email but yeah, mostly I just wanted to talk about the fake goth website, but I was like, I can't make a whole, I can't <laughs> a whole make a whole out thing about this. So I'm just going to talk about this stupid fucking web series that was, that I was obsessed with when I was a kid. I had it. Oh, wait, I think I know where it is. Haha, I found it. If you want to watch the series, it still exists on, like, I actually rewatched some of the video, like the more popular videos that were online just to see like, hey, where like how the trajectory went Mm -hmm. they're all still there if you want to like watch them and there's actually a playlist where you because it's like at one point it spreads not just from breeze quote-unquote breeze youtube channel but goes into like five other ones okay and if you want to watch it you still can there's like playlists and stuff but unfortunately the revival never happened maybe one day so i got some email do you i i do too (gasps) yes no, We're looking just, at the same email account. No, I know. I know. I'm aware. Okay. So you this one, first. My this throat one is tired. Is technically, correspondence and corrections, but it's a long one. So we put it at the end. Mm-hmm. So this is from Chrono, uh, and it's entitled Correspondence and Corrections. In the iterations of the Arthurian legends prior to the Lancelot-Guinevere romance being portrayed as the dooming causing the end of Camelot plot, 
we see in modern adaptations, courtly love was previously seen as a noble act. So in the older iterations, Lancelot having feelings in courting Guinevere made him a more noble person. Huh. Do you know the concept of courtly love? No. It was basically this idea. It was like this romanticized idea of uh, a person of lower social status, especially, but mostly Mm -hmm. like knights being in love with married women and like doing things that would be considered courting them with the expectation that nothing would happen. Okay. Interesting. So it's like it's like that the noble pining essentially. Yeah. It's like dedicating themselves to this woman with the knowledge that nothing would come of it. Hmm. Interesting. And so it was considered noble because it was like a pure form of love because there was no actual like physicality to it at all. It was yeah. purely just like being in love from afar or se- you would do things like uh, give gifts and send letters and whatnot, but there was no physicality to it. Hmm, interesting. Uh, number two, and this one's apparently a little long. One pretty cool queer fact about Lancelot, besides being an amazing bisexual himbo that he is, was also he was also in a relationship with one of Arthur's older knights, Galehaunt. Other, not older. Other knights, Galehaunt. Not I, to be mistaken for Galahad. Yes, I think I'm saying that pronounced, or I maybe don't know. it's Galahad. Hot. Galahot. 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 I don't know. Uh, He was big, tall, bar king, possibly half giant, according to some sources. He is greatly loved by his people, but he won't let himself be crowned until he defeats Arthur. During the battle, he gets impressed by the skills uh, by a knight in black armor who's revealed to be Lancelot. Galahot, maybe, is entranced and captivated by the gorgeous Lancelot. Like, oh my God, he's the most beautiful creature I've ever laid my eyes on. Flustered gay noises. Flustered gay notices. Well, I think it's supposed to be noises. Okay, fair. And Arthur's like, hey, if you surrender and stop attacking us, I'll introduce you to Lancelot, wingman King Arthur. He agrees. Lancelot accepts his companionship and they become close Close friends. friends. With air quotes. Uh, Galahad is the one who introduces Lance to Guinevere. Galahad also uh, goes beyond everything for Lancelot in the name of love and ends up dying longing for Lancelot after getting separated from, from him having received false news of Lancelot's death. When Lance got, actually got kidnapped by Morgan Le Fay. What's even sadder is that years later, when Lance dies, he gets buried next to his BF Galhot at Lancelot's castle, Joyous Garde, in the tomb that he had built to consecrate and eternalize their companionship. My queer heart, I'm crying. <laughs> That's so great. Anyway, I will be sitting and enjoying this week's episode over a nice cup of tea and my knitting. A good time and a good timing since I'm turning 26 on the 9th of April. Hey! Happy belated birthday! Happy belated birthday, Chrono. P.S. Is there a space for me in Bombersville as a queer historian? Definitely there is. I think, uh, I think Lee would be our queer historian, wouldn't they? Can't we have multiple? We can have multiple. Can't we have like a committee or whatever? Yeah, sure. You guys, listen, I don't, I, I don't char- run the Bombersville Chamber of Commerce. You guys do whatever you want. That's I'm fair. the mayor. I just, I'd make the loss. <laughs> but I don't run the Chamber of Commerce. Are you mayor or fucking dictator? Por que no los dos. Okay. And if maybe I can start up a queer separate, uh, separatist society for queer history and queer historians, we do collabs with the museums and other libraries to help expand the scope of public, of history for the public and education. Uh, it, this is just growing its own cultural uh, Bummersville has become here. its own fucking thing. Bummersville has a rich tapestry of cultural en- enrichment going on here. And now we have another email called Unexplainable Weird Moon Thing from Sabine. Who just signed it, Bean. 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 Now, I, okay. 
So the other night I was laying in bed with my partner and it was about 11 o'clock at night and he looked out the window, which was facing west. This is important. And made a simple remark of, hey, the moon is really bright tonight. And I looked out the window and I thought, oh, yeah, it is pretty bright. Anyway, he ended up falling asleep shortly after that. And I, like I always do, just stared out the window at the stars and moon for a bit to try and relax. However, I did not relax because in the span of less than five minutes, the quote unquote moon I was looking at literally moved behind the building in front of me. I feel like I had watched the world move like a movie and fast forward. I woke my partner up and I told him I was a bit freaked out and he looked at the window without any prompt of what had just happened and simply went, where's the moon? Hey, you see, uh, where's the moon? You see, the moon was nowhere near this building and I had watched it move fast behind it and then it moved to the left and I could see it again, but to the left of the building. I was promptly terrified at this point and my partner literally made the remark that I sounded like a crazy conspiracy theorist and honestly, I felt it. Ten minutes later, I got up to go to the bathroom and I looked out the window facing north and lo and behold, there was the actual moon nowhere near the building. I just saw it, but up in the sky above the city. The next few nights, I looked out the same window. I saw the moon at the same time. I saw it move behind the building and each night for about a week, it was not there. The time I got to that spot for the rest of the week was about 3 to 4 a.m. And I have no explanation for what I saw, but my partner thinks I'm crazy. So that's cool. I mean, that's, this is the perfect opportunity for a that's no moon joke. But also, like, what what is it then? What is it? What is it then? You see a moving light in the your, sky. Your neighbor has a spotlight and they're fucking with everyone. Possibly, yeah. Or it could be a UFO. I mean, technically... You could argue this is a UFO. Anything is a UFO if you're really bad at identifying things. Exactly. Bean, you don't know you don't know what it is. So like mm. But thank you very much, Bean, for for writing to us. Yes. Uh enjo- been enjoying catching up on the latest podcast. Love your stuff. Thank you so much. Mm. She's a longtime listener. Yeah. Do we want to do one more? We can do one more. We've got plenty of time. Alright. So this is from Peter. From the international pages. They call it Stormy Friday, but Tuesday's just as bad. So hi, ladies, Mal, and Quarantinis. The Templars get all the press, and no small part to the mid-20th century pop er uh, esotericism boom in France that ultimately resulted in Dan Brown, and the connection between Friday the 13th and the fall of the Templars. But the Knights Hospitaller, aka the Knights of Malta, are way more interesting, if only because they're still around, and still widely recognized as a sovereign military order and they have a permanent observer status at the UN and issue their own passports. That's cool. Plus the Maltese Falcon. Right. Yeah, the Knights Hospital were set, like I was saying before, that the uh, the Knights Templar were trying to create their own sovereign nation. Mm-hmm. The Knights Hospital were actually did it. <laughs> like, they actually made one. Sweet. Um, Do we got to talk about them at some point? Uh, yeah, we totally could, because they have a very rich history as well. They're just less known. Okay. And people don't think that they worship the devil or know where the Holy Grail is. Fair. Uh, back to the email. While Friday has a long reputation for bad luck, you can find it in Chaucer, and so does the number 13, dating back to the Last Supper, or possibly the death of Balder. Friday the 13th, being particularly unlucky, seems to be fairly recent, early 19th century. In Greece and most Spanish-speaking countries, Tuesday the 13th is the unlucky one. And until, compar- until comparatively recently, when the youth got their brains colonized by American film, Friday the 17th was considered unlucky in Italy. And of course, a lot of Southeast Asia, the unlucky day is April 4th. And the reason is because the number four sounds so similar to death, I think it is. The, yeah. the word death. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because the number four is sure. Or uh, hold on. I'm trying to remember Mandarin. I believe in you. Uh, God, that's that's foolish of you. Um, because in my head, I just started counting in Japanese and I'm like, wait, that's, that's wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the number four, you're correct. It's, it's, I believe it's sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, I'm saying it without the tone, the proper tonage. So a bunch of Mandarin speakers are like, what? 
well, what did you just say? Uh, but yeah, four and death sound a lot alike. They're homophone? homophone? Like record and record? Yeah, like homo... Record and phones? record. Homophones is the word? I don't, one of them... One of them means sound alike and one of them means spelled the same because record and record are spelled the same, but they don't sound alike. Yes. But there are words that sound alike, but are not spelled the same. Right. Like weather and weather. Yeah. I don't. I think homophones is the one where they are sound alike. Same. Okay. So we don't know. <laughs> I think it's, I think homophones is the one that sound alike. Okay. Because it's same sound. Phones being like phone. Yeah. That makes sense. I think. I'm trying to go back to my roots. I'm trying to dig back into my middle school word root knowledge. Guys, when I was in high school, I decided to take Latin. <laughs> Listen, it didn't I tried go to take, well. I tried to take Chinese and I can't remember how to say the number four in Mandarin. So there we I go. I feel like Mandarin is still better than fucking Latin. Probably. But that was from Peter. Thank you very much. We have one more email and I say we have time. So this email is called the quote unquote truth about the COVID-19 vaccine, according to a Swedish hippie lady. <laughs> Hi. So first of all, sorry for my bad English. I am bad at spelling and writing English. Okay, English is my first language and I am also bad at that. <laughs> Listen, you're valid. You're valid and we won't judge you. Yeah. My name is Embla, at least on the internet, and I live in Sweden. This video has gone viral for some days now among my Facebook friends and people are making fun of this lady. Well, you don't understand Swedish, so I will give you a short rundown of what this lady is telling the world and I'll send you the link so you can get the vibe. Thank you. So this lady's name is Anne Algren. And she tells you that you shall not take the vaccine for COVID-19 when it comes. It has a chip in it, you see. And the chip will go to your left index finger. And that is connected to your solar plexus chakra. So you will not what? be able to feel things. Okay. Then the chip will multiply. And the new chip will go to your calf, which is connected to your heart chakra. So now you will not be able to love. And then right. the chip will multiply again. And it will connect to the 5G mass. And that is the worst. The chip in the 5G will shut down your crown chakra. So you cannot think or connect to the spirits and angels. Oh, buddy. Okay. You will become a mindless robot controlled by some kind of scientist somewhere. And also there's chlorine in the water. And that is bad. I mean, that is bad. But... That would be bad. Yes. I mean, like a large dose of chlorine would be bad. In some ways, I feel bad for Anne. And, but this is insane in a way we don't usually see so much around here. In other news, life goes on in Sweden. And we don't need to stay in our houses as you do in the U.S. as we are doing fine. But we are also a country where people like personal space in the first time. And many of us do listen to experts, including our prime minister and government. So in the moment, we're fine. Not good, but under the circumstances, fine. Now I'm going to eat some Easter candy, play some Harkham Horror. Ooh, that sounds like a fucking great idea. Candy and Harkham Horror. Yeah. And hope that the world soon will be better. Actually, I've been playing Dishonored again, which is, you know, the best thing to play during a plague. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and even if you can pay to... Uh, oh, and even if you can pay a, to be a Bummersville librarian, can I be the Bummersville Child's Librarian? Now edgy sex books, just horrible books for children. <laughs> No, no terrible romance novels for children, but just just generally bad books for children. Yeah. Just like, Love your hey, show. read this book. But it's it's just it's bad. Really it's terrible. It's it's the it's the knockoffs of Harry Potter that were going around before the series was complete. Yes. Love your show. It's the best. Your friend Embla. Thank you, Embla. Thank you so much, Embla. That's very sweet. And this kind of blends into the 5G spreading the virus. Yeah. And. And the microchip don't, apocalypse thing. Don't burn down fucking cell phone towers. What don't do that. That's stupid. But also, heard, yeah, any person, the origin, I think we talked about this before, the origin of the idea that like the microchips implanted in our brains going to cause the apocalypse or whatever thing comes from that whole crazy Mark of the Beast barcode conspiracy from the oh, early 2000s. Right. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. 
anybody who's like, oh, the government's implanting chips into our bodies. It's like, okay, so you're a crazy person who believes that <laughs> that barcodes are somehow, we're all going to get barcodes stamped onto our foreheads because the devil is going to mark us. Right. Cool. I'm just remembering. I'm just remembering because so many people then got barcode tattoos. Right. And I think my favorite is the people who got barcode tattoos but didn't have like a specific barcode in mind. So some of the times they would like go and scan themselves. And and just to see what it showed up as. Yeah. (laughs) Some of them like the tattoo artist was being a total dick. I think my I think the favorite one I saw was somebody got a random barcode and when they scanned it, it was for Oreos. No, that wasn't random. That was a kid who uh was half black half white and decided to get oreos (laughs) that's very fitting that's delightful i thought that was kind of delightful yeah but um no there was someone who it's like they scanned it and it turned out to be something that was like kind of insulting but i don't remember what it was well thank you very much all of you fine listeners out there if you would like to tell us what your role in bummersville is or even better if you would like to tell us a crazy local conspiracy to you something that somebody believes even though it's crazy in these apocalyptic times of ours mm-hmm. feel free to email our those stories to us you can reach us at conspiracies at gmail.com or if you have a smaller correction probably about things that we've mispronounced during this episode or a link to an article that you really would like us to look at feel free to send those to our twitter which is at c3 podcast you can also reach out to us on facebook we do see those messages we swear and they disappear also, after we view them, though. Yeah, we don't know where they go after that. Uh, you can also re- recommend and review the podcast there. You can find that at facebook.com slash conspiracies. And if you really would like to, and we would love it if you did, because listen, let's be real. You don't have anything else going on right now. <laughs> feel free to just pop into the podcatcher of your choice and leave us a little review. Or just even just a rating. That would be delightful. I thought you were going to say start your own uh, cult conspiracy blog on YouTube. Hey, uh, you don't got anything else going on right now. Why don't you just make your own long form ARG fake cult I feel on YouTube? like this is the perfect time for a resurgence of Lonely Girl 15 because the original series just for the first few episodes just took place in one bedroom. I would love to see a sort of office comedy-esque, like, parrot, what are they called, uh, mockumentary. Like The Office? Like The Office or, like, Parks and Rec or whatever style. But it's just a cult who is now trying to use Zoom to do their cult meetings. (laughs) That's what I would like. That's amazing. That's what I would enjoy seeing. Yeah. Oh, uh, Spock would like to, (laughs) Spock would like to get out of the, of the room now. Oh my god, I hurt that, my heart... He's upset that I have the door closed. And he I don't would know like, if the mic picked that up, but oh my god. I hope it did, because Egg's in the living room and Spock doesn't like being separated from him. Oh, that's so cute. Um, if, if Egg's missing, Spock will run around the house screaming for him, trying what, to find him. What did Egg do when Spock was missing? Uh, Egg just lived. <laughs> Egg, Egg was, uh, he's like, huh, weird. This is weird. I'm the only no, one on the bed. There was one night where, where where Egg was looking for him. I do remember Aww. the first the first night Egg was like looking around for him expectantly, like where'd he go? Usually, usually he's also here. Where'd he go? Yeah. Um, but sorry, listeners. Yes, this is the end of the podcast. <laughs> if you that forgot, was too fucking cute. If you forgot the names or URLs or any of our social media handles because we had a quick tangent where I started talking about my cats, feel free <laughs> to go to our website where everything is listed. You can find that at cultscriptedconspiracies.com and we will be here next week with some new stuff for you to tidy over during these hard times yeah hopefully no more um 
cell phone towers being burned. Ideally. Yeah. All right. Bye, Chelsea. Bye, Christina. Bye, Mal. Bye, Ghost of Mal. Wherever you are. In the living room, trying to beat my little brother. Sometimes I can still hear his voice. <laughs> we have a, another meme from East of the Fox that's two turkey vultures that are like spreading their wings. And it's like, sir, look at my pants. Good so, sir. But have you seen my pants? Yes. I love turkey. I love birds. This is, I, I like to think this is what um, would happen if you just gave Mal the task of making <laughs> banana bread, but didn't explain to him how to do it or give him yeah. a recipe. Uh, East the Fox also sent us another meme, which is just a uh, bread with banana stuck into it. I would like to say that Mal does know to use overripened bananas, and the bananas in this meme are slightly underripened. So, uh, well, there we go. Mal's yeah. a step ahead. At Master Mas- Noodle sent oh, yeah. us the butthole cut. <laughs> Not the real butthole cut. Not cast. the real one. Not the real one. But uh, this kind of makes me w- think that that was a monkey's paw wish. Yeah. Like, like wishing for the butthole cut, seeing somebody possibly realize what that would be, like is, I don't know if I want it now. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. The gulf in energy. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.